Welcome to the Littlestown Chapel Podcast. Make sure to check us out on the web at littlestownchapel.org. Now, we hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Joshua Stratton. Thank you, guys. So, we're going to play a game. We're going to have a little bit of fun here, I think. Okay, so, we're going to talk about, we're doing a sermon series, right, When Faith is Alive. So, we're going to talk about things in the music industry, uh, different artists and things that are kind of known for being uh, fake or not authentic. So I'm going to show you a picture and you're going to tell me who it is. Okay? All right. <clears throat> Anybody? This MC Hammer? No, these are Frank Treadway's pants. <laughs> if you don't know, Frank is our, our head steward here and uh, he actually at one point had a pair of pants just like this. He's not going to admit to it, but I, I'm sure he still owns that. He's, he, he told me he didn't, but I don't know. But you would not believe this, but I have seen Frank fully pull off the MC Hammer dance, you know. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. He can do it. It is it's something to see. I tried to get uh, Brian Robinson to actually do the rap and him come up here and do the dance, but we, I couldn't. Maybe next week. Maybe we'll get him next week. Yeah, MC Hammer. Yeah, you wouldn't think it. MC Hammer's not necessarily known that his music, he did get some uh, uh, lawsuits because some of his stuff was uh, maybe sampled from other things. And so that, he was known for that. But um, he hit it big and hit it big fast. And he seemed like a guy who was authentic about the music and the black community. And um, in, in the nine, like, very early 90s, okay, he had hit it so big that every opportunity was coming across his table. And by like 1991, he had basically dropped off the face of the earth because he had, he had a uh, trading cards were made. Um, he had a cartoon that came out. You know, I don't know if anybody remembering of this stuff. Most of you guys is who's MC Hammer? And why are those pants even on the stage? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and what happened was is people were like, this, this guy's just in it for the money. He's not, he's not anything like me. He doesn't really care about the, and, and his popularity just fell off the wagon. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, he went, uh, struggled with bankruptcy and all kinds of stuff. So, but anyway. Next picture. Tell me who this is. Millie Vanilli. Yes. And Millie Vanilli, I don't know if you... Does anyone under the age of 25 know who Millie Vanilli is? No, none of you guys? Millie Vanilli? Okay, so, all right. You would have loved Millie Vanilli. They had, a, they had a couple big hits, right? And uh, just these uh, two German models, okay? And they could dance. And they were the first ones to make yoga pants something you actually wore in public. Um, <laughs> and, and they had, uh, what was it, Blame It on the Rain, right? And uh, Girl, You Know It's True. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I love you. See? You know what I'm talking about. And they had hit it big. In fact, Green Noise True was so big that they won a Grammy for it. And, um, and uh, it, it, I would say um, maybe, I don't know the year, I forget now, but it was definitely you know, late 80s, early 90s. And they're on MTV. And they're doing a live show on MTV. And all of a sudden, the music starts skipping. Girl, you know it's true. Girl, you know it's true. Girl, you know. And they panic. And they run off stage. <laughs> and, and, and everything goes weird for a while. And then they convince them to come back on stage. And they finish. 
And then, like, journalists and the American public starts to think, you know, like, hmm, you know what? They can barely speak English. They have this real thick German accent. And here's these, these very well, to, you know, spoken, performed English songs. And, and that doesn't seem like them at all. And it wasn't long before they start digging and digging and they find out that the whole thing is a sham. Not only did they not write the music, they did not play the music, but they didn't sing the music. Everything was a lie. They had to give the Grammys back. It was, it was, it, it was actually a tragedy. Um, so talk about fake. You would think maybe that's like the height of fake in the music industry. But I got one more. Does anyone know who this is? Yeah, I'm going to butcher his name here because it's, it's, it's got that thick Italian to it. Michael Guglielmucci. Does anybody know that? He wrote a, he, he's a pastor. He, he wrote a worship song in like 2008. Um, and it went something like this. It was, and, um, he, he wasn't pastor at Hillsong, but he, he, Hillsong produced it and he sang, sang it through Hillsong. And... Um, it goes something like this. See if I can ruin it here. I got blame it on the rain on the head here. It goes, I believe you're my healer. I believe you're more than enough for me. Anybody remember this song? Yeah, yeah, it was big. I mean, it was on the top of the charts and everything. And, and uh, what really pushed it, too, was he had cancer, right? And, and, and when they, they filmed a, a live thing of him and he, he got up there and he had an oxygen tank and everything and just his message was very uh, inspiring for people, especially struggling uh, with cancer and stuff until one day he comes out and says, I don't really have cancer. Yeah, the whole thing was a lie. He didn't have cancer. His church didn't know the public didn't know. His parents didn't know. His wife didn't know. She'd drive, she'd drive him to the appointments, and he insisted on going in to the appointment on his own. And then finally, it just wore on him enough that he couldn't live that lie anymore. Yeah, fake. Yeah, totally I mean, and talk about the damage that he's done. Now, I, I believe that the, the man gave uh, a lot, if not all of the money back um, and, and donated a lot of things to charity. So I feel like he was trying to right his wrongs. I don't really know any of the rest of the story. But the reason I point this out to you is because it is so easy for us to get wrapped up into things and, that are, are, are fake. They're not true. They're a, a lie. And, and our faith is, is something that is so susceptible to this. And I believe right now, especially in a group this size, that many of us are, are living a faith that is a lie. And it'll come to fruition someday where maybe something very difficult happens in your life and you get shaken enough and you might walk away from it. Or maybe, maybe you'll come, and, and, and Jesus talks about this, throughout uh, the New Testament, throughout the Gospels. And in fact, he says, you know, people will come to me and they will, they will say, I did this in your name and I did this in your name and I did this in your name. You know, I, I, I preached in your name. I, I, I served in your name. You know, I came to church every single week and listened to those guys preach and preach. I, 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 care, I gave all of my time to the poor. I did all these different things. Boom, 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 boom. And he said, and Jesus is going to look at them on that day of reckoning, and he's going to say, what are you talking? I don't even know you. I don't even know you. And that's because the rules and regulations the obedience, the, the service, any things that we could do, um, the, the identification as a Christian and popping into a building once a week, um, serving in different capacities and looking good even into people's eyes, none of that matters. It's a relationship with Jesus. He wants to know you. What does he say? I never knew you. 
I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want you to experience me. I want you to have a faith that is real. Guys, I don't want to look back in five years or 10, 20 years and think, I've been living a lie, and either do you. And we need to stop. We need to assess ourselves and constantly realign ourselves to the gospel. That we are, we are about him and not about something else. And that's what we talked about last week. We said that the, 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 the true saving faith that we long for, one that grants us forgiveness of sin and eternity with, with God, it's not one of, you know, you do this, 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 and this. And, and it's one of, of a relationship, a relationship with the Father. You see the disciples in this passage that we're going to study today, and you can, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew 18. We're going to be staying in Matthew 18. Um, and in Matthew 18, the, the disciples come to Jesus and, and they say, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Basically, how do I climb my way to the top? How do I be the best? How do I have a seat of honor? When the kingdom comes and you take over and, and the Romans are done away with, how do I make sure that I'm up here? And Jesus says, you've missed it, right? You have to be, and he gets a little child, and the reason why I'm focusing on this is because the entire chapter of 18 is in this context, that there's this little child pulled out of the crowd in the room to give an analogy, and he puts the child down here, and this is a little kid, maybe even a toddler, right? And he says, you need to be this child. And he's not saying you need to be this child because you need to be like him in his character. Or you need to be like him in, his, in, in the way he blindly follows or whatever. He's talking about position. Children are not powerful. Children are dependent. Children need a father. They need a parent. They need someone, right? Children can't feed themselves. They, they, you know, young kids, they can't even go to the bathroom on their own. And this is humiliating. But this is the only avenue to saving faith. Because it is only when we are here and we are humbled and we are in that position that we need a father. If not, you could do it on your own. If not, you could, you could possibly climb to the top. And Jesus is saying, you need a father. And it's not just needing a father because you need, and he talks about this, someone who, who protects you, someone who cares for you, someone who directs you with the, with the rules, right? He says, that, follow this, and, and, and you'll see that this is making a difference for you. It's bigger than that. It's actually a relationship with the Father. Because, now think about this, what is a true need of a child? They need to be protected, they need to be fed, they need to make sure they're okay, but they also need a loving relationship with a dad, with a mom. And this is, this is one of, you know, you know, we've had some experience in the foster care system and, 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 and many um, children that are in the foster care system. They're, 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 uh, and this is, this is in any, anyone who's been orphaned or, or, or lost their family for whatever reason, and, and they're, they're placed into the foster care system, or maybe in other countries they do a, 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 an orphanage, right? They're, they're fed, they're protected, you know? They're, 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 they're even given rules and regulations, right? But most of those kids struggle the rest of their lives because they weren't loved by a mom and a dad. They were abandoned. The human condition needs a father, needs a parent, a loving, and, and that's the reward. That is what we get from faith. And if it's anything else, you are gonna be let down because it wasn't about Jesus, it was about you and what you could get out of it. 
And if you follow these rules, well, then my marriage will work. If I follow these rules, then I'll live a healthy life. If I follow these rules, and then, you know, you fill in the blank. People will like, blah, blah. I'm not saying that God doesn't say that if we listen to him, we follow him, that good things will happen to us. But that's not the reward. He is the reward. And anything else will let you down. It's a faith that is a lie. And so how do you know that your faith is a lie? When it's all about you and what you get out of it and what you hope to receive in the future and not him. And then he transitions and he starts talking about forgiveness. And again, the context of this is this little child He's saying, you need to see yourself as a child and you need to see everybody else that way. You're not above them. You're with them. And I love them. They are my, my children. And so he talks about what happens in verse 15. What happens when, when somebody sins against you? Sin is a big deal. We need to deal with it. Because, because, friends, God is in the business of reconciliation. He wants us to love each other. He wants us to get along. That is his nature. That is his character. That is the definition of God, love. And so he says, I, I want you to be serious about reconciliation. And so that passage right before where we're about to read, we're going to read, uh, start in verse 21 and actually read through that. But I want to describe to you uh, 15 uh, to 20. 15 to 20 is often used as, as the passage that grants people um, the power of excommunication. Okay? Like, you did something bad, you're out of the church. And I'm not saying that this, this passage doesn't say sometimes we need to distance ourselves from, from, from people, I think for the sake of safety, but more so this passage is about reconciliation. The whole thing of that passage is sin is a problem and we need to deal with it. We don't avoid it. Someone sins against us or we see sin happening. It's not like we don't say, hey, you know, that's, that, it's not like we say, hey, you know, that's not, that, you know, that's bad, but I don't really have the time or the energy to deal with it. And so I'm just going to ignore it. That's not what he's saying. No, he wants you to have a good relationship with that person. He wants you to have a healthy relationship with that person. And so he says, you need to call them out and try to bring them back in to a healthy relationship with you. And you do it again and again and again. If it gets to the, the greatest degree, maybe you need to, to even push them a little bit in distance from you for the hopes of reconciliation. And that means something. If you see it in that light, that changes the harshness of it. And sometimes the, 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 the gravity of what people have chosen to do sometimes in this. And they've pulled it, like I said, they've pulled this passage out and not seen it in the context of a little child in the room saying that he loved that child. That child is valuable. I want to reconcile. I don't want, I don't want anyone torn apart from me. Absolutely not. And ruffle some feathers, okay? Because everyone's hearing this in the room, and you got to believe that they've got difficult relationships in their lives, okay? They've got, you know, yeah, they're, they're the 12 disciples, right? But they've got relationships, might have wives. They might have a, a history with a, a dad who... A, a, abused them or someone who was in a business deal and took advantage of them? Well, I, I don't know, but I guarantee you that they've got difficult things going on. And so this is, this is making them think, you know. And Peter speaks up and he says, well, if, I, if I'm going to forgive, how many times should I forgive? And this starts a whole story that Jesus dumps into. And I think it's going to be a real blessing to us. 
So I want to I want to dig into this, and and um, and uh, and before we do that, I want to pray and just ask the Lord to bless it. So would you pray with me, Father God? Thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the power of your word that you speak to us, that you relate to us, Lord, that you direct us, Lord, that this is your living and active, your very words, Lord God. I pray that you would teach us. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts, Lord God. I pray that you'd speak through me. I know that I'm not adequate, Lord God. Would your spirit teach us all? And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So turn in your Bible to um, chapter 18. If you haven't gone there already, it's on page 8. 23, and I'm going to read the story. Um, uh, we're going to start in, in 21. Uh, Peter says this. He comes up to, to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, I mean, this kind of brings him back a little bit. I think Peter and probably everybody else in this room, uh, I, 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 in the culture of that day, if, if you forgave someone three times, you know, that's the limit. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're not getting walked on here, right? Three times, that's the limit. That's acceptable if you go past that, you know. And so for Peter to say uh, seven times, he's actually saying, look, okay, like, uh, I, I see what you're saying here, and it seems like you're, you're asking about forgiveness, you know. Can, I am really holy, Jesus, okay. I'm saying not three times. I'm saying seven times. You know, Peter's back to the beginning of the conversation. How, is it, how can you be the most powerful? Who's going to be the best in the kingdom of God, right? He's like missed the whole thing. And so Jesus kind of snaps back and says, well, uh, seven times 77, okay? And he's not saying a specific number. I mean, I guess he, you could sit there and do the math. But what he's saying is you forgive, you forgive, and you forgive, and you forgive. Have you not been listening to me? Do you not see this little child here that I say is my child? Do you not see the importance that I, that child is not invaluable? That child is my treasure. And, and he didn't get it. He's still back to the very beginning. He doesn't see himself down here. He's climbing his way to the top. And I could just see Jesus shaking his head. You're still not getting it. And so he knows, because he's the master storyteller, that he needs to tell a story. And he says this. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to, to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused, and he put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, 
they were greatly distressed and they went and they reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay all of the debt. So also may my heavenly father, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now we need to flesh this out a little bit because I think some of the, the context of, of the time period need, needs to be understood. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, you know, and he's, he's, he's sharing basically the, 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 the master is God, the father, and, the, and the, the, the servant with the great debt is us. And it says here that this guy had a huge debt. What was it, 10,000, right? 10,000 talents. Now, talents is like a, a unit of measurement back then, and it is a huge sum of money that there would be 10,000 of them. In fact, this, this debt was so big, okay, it was greater than what Rome took in for all the taxes of all the areas around Jerusalem. So we're talking about Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Galilee, Rome collected a tribute, a tax, and it was only a thousand talents for one year. This guy owed 10,000. In, in the Greek, the largest numeral was 10,000. This, what he's saying here, this debt was so big he could never dream of paying it back. This is like saying today, I mean, we know of like, like you got millionaires, you got billionaires. We're talking about like trillionaires, okay? Just an unfathomable, no way you could ever pay it back. It's bigger than you're even worth. Because what, what he, he was going to sell him. He's going to sell his kids. He's going to sell his wife. He's going to sell everything he owned. It would consume all of him. He could not pay it back. That's how big the debt was. Friends, that's how big our debt is. It's so big. Our sin causes a distance from God that we could never mend, that we could never pay what we owed him. It, it, it seeps into our soul. It destroys humanity. You can try to do good things, but you'll never really escape it. The debt is so big, no matter how hard you work, no matter how many people you serve, no matter how many things that you do, you'll never be good enough. That's the nature of sin in our lives. The scripture says that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And it's not even something like you, like you said, you could try to work and try to do things that would be better, but the, the nature of sin, I think if, if the Bible was written in this day, they would have used the technology that we know today, the, the understanding of the human body, and say that it's in your DNA. It's passed down. It's, it's in your blood. You're born with sin. And you can't just get rid of it. Think about it. It doesn't matter what you do. You stumble. You fall. You make mistakes. You hurt people. It doesn't matter how hard, how much technology we try, how many different things we do, how good we are. All of us will die because it's in our blood it's our condition. It's who we are, sinful. We need to be remade. We need to be reborn. We need a savior. We need forgiveness. 
because our sin is so big. But the good news is, is that if you are guilty, then you can receive mercy. The only one who receives mercy is the one who is guilty. And in this story, it's so beautiful. He's saying that, that, that just like this man, you have this huge debt. It says, that, what, it says that the master saw him pleading and begging. And he had mercy on him. He was caught red-handed. He couldn't lie about it. He couldn't weasel his way through it. He's on his hands and his knees pleading, please, 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 have mercy on me. You ever been caught red-handed? You ever felt like this is it? You're going to lose? You're going to be grounded for a month? When I was in high school, I uh, was, uh, we talked about me being in the band, um, and we would go on these uh, band trips every year. And um, I forget what city we were in when this happened, but I always room with the same couple guys, and we caused a little bit of trouble every now and then. And uh, for some reason, we got this great idea on the band trip in the hotel to uh, pick up the phone, and this is... It's some horrible hour. <laughs> and just randomly call rooms and go, ah! And slam the phone down. It seems terrible. I know, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> and at the time, it seemed hilarious, you know. And the next day at breakfast, you know, we're proud of what we've done. So <laughs> we're telling people that we did this and it was so funny and blah, blah, blah. And... So that then gets passed down the chain, and then, of course, at the buffet line, uh, the, the, the band director and his wife are talking about this horrible instance where somebody called their room and screamed and hung up. And, uh, <laughs> and of course, it's like, oh, I know, somebody in line, like, oh, I know who that was. <laughs> and, you know, so of course, he comes right up to us, and he's like, you guys need to shape up, you know. I don't want to be sending you home, because I will send you home. And I go, yes, sir, yes, sir, yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, later that night, then we, we get this great idea in our room because we have two queen-size beds and they basically look like trampolines. So we're jumping up and down and the idea was how many you know, somersaults could you get in the air before you got to the other bed? And so I'm jumping on this thing and trying not to hit my head on the ceiling because I was big at this point. And I'm in midair now and, and I see the band instructor walk past the, the window. <laughs> and, and of course, we all stand there, like frozen, after I hit the bed, you know, we're just standing there. And maybe he didn't see us, somebody says, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, his head pops and looks into the window again. <laughs> and my buddy shuts the blinds. <laughs> and of course, you know, what are you guys doing in here? Somebody's going to get hurt. I told you I'm going to be sending you home. I don't want to. You know, and we are pleading. I'm so sorry. I'm, 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 we got it. We just thought it was fun. We won't do it again. You better blah, 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 blah. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, we're, we're, we're here to have a good time, but I want to, you know, I forget what he said. But he, he let us go. And he walked out the room. And I remember shutting the door. And all four of us, yeah, <laughs> we got, we're free. <laughs> and I don't know if we were more afraid of getting sent home because we'd miss out or more afraid of our parents <laughs> when we got home. One of the two, right? But you, we, you know, we've all felt that way. Someone has shown mercy on you. You've been forgiven. But imagine a debt that would consume all of you. Imagine being in a scenario where you've made a mistake and the reality is that mistake, the, the condemnation from that mistake was so big that it would take your life. I mean, that is the condition that we're talking about here. 
We, we like to forget about it and hide it. We like to ignore it, but the reality, that's, it's so true. Sin has creeped in. No one will escape the grips of death. Eternal separation from God. And yet, just like this master, just like the band instructor, he sees him. He has pity on him. And he says, you know what? You're forgiven. Paid in full. You don't got to work it off. You don't got to come back and make breakfast for everybody in the hotel that you were screwed over. He says, paid in full. And he does this for you because he's a merciful God, because he wants reconciliation, because he wants a relationship with you. And sin is bad. He pays for it. He, he cares about justice. God is a loving and just God. And so he takes his own son and sends him here and he beats him and torments him and hangs him on a tree to perfectly pay for all that we could have ever done or will do. Jesus Christ is the substitution. Justice is served, yet mercy is handed out to anyone who is willing to say, I am a child and I need a father. I am a child and I need a father. The story goes on, right? The story goes on and, and the guy actually, he, he, he finds a servant that owes him money, a, a hundred denarii. That's like 10 bucks compared to the debt that he has. And, and he grabs this guy like he's in the mafia and starts choking him. You give me your money back, And it's the craziest thing. It's like deja vu. The man hits the ground and starts begging, pleading, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And the man says, absolutely not. And throws him into prison. And of course, the word gets back, right? And the master does not have pity on him. He looks at him and says, you wicked man. It says he throws him to the jailers. The Greek word is actually tormentors. Until he pays it all back. And we all know he can't pay it back. It cannot be paid. He loses everything. And then he looks at all Jesus then, stops the story. He looks at all the disciples in the room, all the followers that have been following him around, and he says, and so it will be with every single one of you unless you forgive. And this, this blows my mind. He's talking about salvation. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless you forgive. How can that be? I thought salvation was not about what you can do or, or your behavior, but about your faith in Jesus Christ. And that is true. But it is impossible to have saving faith in Jesus Christ and reject Everything that we just said. It is impossible to have faith in Jesus Christ and not see your fellow human beings, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, your neighbor as a child who needs to be saved. See, Jesus sees us, not just our trouble. He sees us as treasure. We have to see one another, not just the sin that's in our lives, not just the, the horrible things that, that, that maybe has happened to you or that someone has taken advantage of you. You have to see them, not in their trouble, but in their treasure as a child that needs a father, that needs to be 
prodded and brought back to the fold that needs reconciliation just like you. It's a level playing field. And if you're not down here, you can't see that. If you're condemning and you're rejecting and you're holding on to what people owe you, there's no way you are truly experiencing the saving grace of Jesus Christ. There's no way you have got yourself down to a humble position as a child of God, recognizing your sin and your need for a heavenly father. There's no way that you've entered into the kingdom of heaven because you haven't got yourself in a position that you need a heavenly father. This is, this is the hardest thing about Christianity. I love preaching about forgiveness. I love it because it means that God loves us and wants a relationship with us. But then when it turns around and we have to give it, it's the hardest thing. Yet it's the cornerstone to Christianity. No one has saving faith and can't let it go. But what about some of the things that are so hard? A spouse that has cheated on you. Uh, a, a dad that abused you. Uh, a friend that took advantage of you. Uh, a coworker who, by climbing to the top, basically kicked you to the curb. Some sick things have happened. Lives have been stolen. And you're telling me I'm supposed to just let it go? What is Forgiveness, is that what God is? I think we have to see it from the position of this little child. Follow me here. When you were a kid, and I hope that all of you had a loving family, a loving mom and dad, and I know that not, not all of us did, but if you did, and you were a little kid, and someone took advantage of you, I'll never forget one time I was, I was um, uh, trick-or-treating, and I had this big bag of candy. There was these kids that followed us around the whole time, you know? And I thought, oh, we're the cool kids now because these kids are following us around. They never talked to us before, blah, 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 you know? And by the time our bag was super full, they had kept drifting back behind us, you know, as we were walking. And that... that <laughs> These kids ran up real quick behind us, ripped the bags out of our hands, and ran off. I lost every bit of candy. You know what I did? I ran back to their house and beat the snot out of them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I went back to my, my dad and my mom and I cried about it and I poured out about it and they held me and they cared for me and they got me some more candy <laughs> vengeance is the Lord's your dad is the place you go do you see what I'm saying when you're here and you have your heavenly father he is strong enough and he is powerful enough and he is big enough to take care of the wrong that happened to you. You can take it and you can let it go. And you can give it to him and you can trust him with it. You're not condoning it. You're not supporting it. You're giving it to the one who can actually do something about it. Because what does it serve you to hang on to it? You're not made for that. You were made to be here, not here. It's his job. He's going to take care of it. And you pass it off to him and you let it go. And you open up the door for something more beautiful than just justice by itself. But justice and reconciliation. Justice, righting the wrong, because God does that. 
And then the possibility of an actual relationship. That's the message of the gospel. And that is the calling for each and every one of us. Friends, you are here. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's left his children here that we might forgive like he has forgiven us, showing the world the love of Jesus Christ, convincing them that they may have true hope and freedom from their sin. And it only happens when we see ourselves as his and he is the one with the power to take care of it. And we drop it at his footstep, at his throne. You cannot see it. Forgiveness, forgiveness does not erase the wrong. Forgiveness does not erase the anger about sin. Sin is terrible, and what happened to you was wrong. It's not okay, and you can be mad about it. You can be mad about it when you think about it. You can be angry, and you can be sad. But hanging on to it is like taking poison and thinking you're hurting the other guy. And I think many of you probably had conversations like that or relationships like that. Yeah, I, I had a friend who went to church here for a long time and, uh, and uh, served with me. And, and we, we had some arguments about things that weren't quite right, you know, and we tried to work through them, but I, and we, I did, we did a lot for him and his family. And, and, uh, and, and at one point, I, I don't really know exactly what happened, but he was done. And he got up and he moved off to another church. And I was... All the things that we had done for you, even in, even in recent days. You've got to be kidding me. And here I am, like, just left in the dust. Well, just go to the next church. That just, oh, man. A year goes by, and my phone rings, and I, this guy shows up on my caller ID. Yeah. You, you're not good enough for me. You, I wasn't good enough for you then. You ain't good enough for me now. I didn't take the call. For whatever reason, he didn't take the hint, and he called me back. <laughs> and I can't remember if it was my quiet time that day or what, but I picked up the phone. I felt like God was saying, I, I'm supposed to do that. And that... That was just a little step I took in forgiving this guy. Just a little step. And I picked up the phone, and we started to talk. We caught up, talked about lives and stuff. And, and in that conversation, we talked just a little bit about why he left and blah, blah, blah no hard feelings. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we resolved everything, but I definitely felt a little better about it. I hung up the phone. Time passed. My wife and I are thinking of adopting. Um, we, 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 it, it was like 20-something thousand dollars to do so for an infant at that time. And I, I uh, you know, we, we had a bunch of money and savings we throw into it, and then we started raising money, and we decided to do this. There's a community yard sale that was happening in Hanover, and so we got involved and brought a bunch of stuff over. And this guy and his family popped by the table. Oh, hey, you know, blah, 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 you know, and it was cordial and stuff like that. And, and then they asked what we were doing. We told them, you know, we showed them some of the, we had got these cool flyers and puzzle pieces thing. And, but anyway, he walks off. And like a half hour later, he comes back to the table and slips me hundreds of dollars for the adoption. <laughs> and I think, what is the power of forgiveness? 
reconciliation. The power of seeing not just the sin in people, but that God sees them as treasure. They're not trouble. They're treasure. And I can work with them and pursue them. And because of my Heavenly Father, I can say, you owe me nothing. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean I invite myself into danger per se. It doesn't mean I allow them to continuously abuse me and abuse me and abuse me. That doesn't help me and that doesn't help them. But when the opportunity arises and I can lift it up to God and say they don't owe me anything, then, then reconciliation is an actual possibility. Friends, you have a choice. You can either repeat sin or you can restore it. You can either repeat the sins of your father and of your, your grandfather and your parents or you can restore it. That's your calling that's the mission of the church. That's why we're all still here. You are part of the redemptive plan of this world. And it starts with forgiveness. And it might just be today, one small step. Lord, take this from me. It hurts so bad. Help me to see the value in this person even though they're messed up. Help me to see my own sin and how, how much you've forgiven me that I might reciprocate that to another. Father, I pray good for this person. I wish them well. Father, and forgiveness is a process. It ain't gonna come overnight. But if you aren't willing at all to take some of these steps? I wonder if you're not believing a lie. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your word today. Lord, uh, we need forgiven. Lord, uh, you know some of us, we've sinned even before we came in today. And... And for some reason, we feel dirty and we can't come back to you. And I know that's a lie. Lord God, would you cleanse us of unrighteousness, Lord God? May the tricks of Satan not convince us to run away from you. And Lord God, as your redeemed little children, may we be about reconciliation. Father, heal marriages in our midst, Lord God. May the words today be the words that allow us to take the first steps towards change and reconciliation. It is only in forgiveness, Lord, that we can truly experience your mercy and your grace. Father God, release us from the chains, from the weight of what people owe us. Holy King in heaven, you know the very difficult things that each one of us is going through or will go through. And I pray, Lord God, that today would mark a day where we take that next step. And so we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.